Welcome to Shame Watch, a guilt-free dive in those massive movie failures that we hate to love. Each week, <laughs> we look at a movie that either we or our guests love, but society shames them for. We peek in each nook and cranny for every bright spot, keeping the public at bay while watching these movies like the miracles that they are. Yeah. And today, <laughs> we're, we're busting moves and jamming out to search for some hotties as we talk about A Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. I'm James Fight, and uh, the pickle in this situation is Kenny Madison, chief archivist of FlatFilms.com, putting out podcasts like crazy. Very proud of our output, I must say, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing this for Whoa. a year and some months. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the other person on this call is. Uh, Aaron Salinas, editor, all-around snuggly guy. Um, it's boys' night. It's boys', boys night. night. Uh, boys our night. other host, Olivia, uh, couldn't make it because of Mother Day plans, uh, which is tomorrow. I dated this episode. Uh, spoiler. So we chose the machoest movie we could think of, which was Night <laughs> at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury. Which, uh, this was my first time seeing. Really? Yes. I had not, not seen it before, and I I was a little thrown at first, but then I grew to love it, and I grew to love it, because I think this is the perfect uh, Peas in a Pod movie. <laughs> Kenny, what's your experience with this movie? Uh, so I was just a uh, vehement devourer of so many things SNL growing up and I had seen this movie whenever it came to what was the satellite system that we had at the time. Prime Star, in case anyone remembers Prime Star. No. Uh it was on their pay per view thing, so I remember my mom ordered uh a night of the Roxbury for me on pay per view and I think I watched most of it. I don't think I'd watched all of it until just now. Uh yeah. I knew the Night at the Roxbury guys uh, so much because those sketches are so funny on SNL. Um, yeah, I think I think the only SNL movies that I haven't seen at this point are uh, Ladies Man. Um, I think that might just be it. You've seen McGruber? I have seen McGruber several times. I saw that in theaters. That's what I wanted to catch in theaters, but I didn't get the chance to. I haven't seen Coneheads either. Oh, what? Coneheads is great. Yeah. The only two, uh, the only two SNL movies that I have not seen are Coneheads and The Ladies Man. I've even seen It's Packed. What is that? Whoa, that that threw me off, man. I I thought for sure you'd seen Coneheads. It would make sense, uh, but no, I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh. Yeah. My dad loves Coneheads. Yeah, it's a dad movie. It's yeah. <laughs> I think he also likes this movie, but he doesn't talk about it as much. Aaron, so, what the, what's your experience with this? So, I'm not going to lie. Whenever I imagine, like, when I thought it was just us, like, for, for the guys, and Olivia was dipping out, um, this was the first movie that came to mind. And the only reason, like, I, I like, associated with, like, boys night or something like that is because my mama used to always work like normal hours, eight, uh, like eight to five or seven to four Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. But occasionally 
she would have to work Saturday, like two to 11. And my dad would always say, oh, it's not at the Roxbury night. It's just a boys night. So we'd get pizza and we'd watch this movie. <laughs> and your dad really did work in a flower shop. And my dad really worked yeah. at, at yeah. a flower shop. His, so, like, uh, boys night. Let's put on the classic boys night movie. A night at the Roxbury. And I can't tell you exactly the first year I saw it. I can tell you I was young. I I was probably six, maybe six. Could have been four. This movie came out when I was four. So I could have seen it when I was four. So So this is how you thought you should treat women. No, 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 no. I, I, I think early on I could pick up on satire. Yeah. And like mocking things early on as a kid. Cause like my parents, like when my parents, they didn't know they were going to have a kid. Sure. So when they had me, they were just like, yeah, we're just going to keep doing things what we're doing. Yeah. So like I would watch Saturday night live as a kid and, and I would like, like, I don't, I, I always found it humorous. Like you're not supposed to act like that. I think is what I could register it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's guys being doofuses. You don't. You're not supposed to act like a doofus. And I think because uh, the the three of us, the three boys, the yeah. uh, the men, uh, we're all <clears throat> we're all only children. So we had. To and this is how brothers act. I guess. Yeah. I I just wouldn't know. Uh, we're assuming everyone. No, I think would we're go around and wonder if I was actually brothers with my brother. No. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, because like we spent a lot more time with adults. I assume I know I did because I was an only child. So like yeah. I think we we're quicker to pick up on like society's uh, uh, norms, societal norms. And like oh, they're not they're not acting normal. That that's a wonderful observation, James. I'll give you that. That's- hey, this is what happens at uh, eleven thirty at night with James. I, uh, we get real. Action. Yeah, it's real. It's real talk with uh, Shame Watch. This is what happens when uh, Olivia's in here. We get real. Hey, <laughs> Olivia, we miss you. Oh, yeah, we miss you, Olivia. We stand a legend. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this. Uh, so, whenever we were, uh, Kenny was like, what's a macho Shame Watch? For whatever reason. This is the first one that came to mind. I think they're very macho. Well, considering we are the three wildest, most club-going, outiest yeah. people I know. I mean, we actually drink. all met at a club. That's we girl. did. Doing the dance that uh, Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell did in the club with the two girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Wild. We saw each other doing the same move, and we're like, "Are we? Are we friends? Are we all friends? Do, we do a movie podcast? Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> and that's the story of um, how we well, started the podcast. And then Olivia was like, "Yeah, I went in on this. Yeah, for whatever reason, <laughs> we got her in between one of our pelvic thrusts, and she was like, "Fine, I'll do your podcast. <laughs> that's, that's just how it goes, you know. Yeah, we trap." each one of our guests that comes onto the podcast into a pelvic thrust. Yeah. Speaking of which, go on. Past guest John Fortenberry directed this film? No, I don't. Uh Aaron, I don't think that's John Fortenberry with just with just an uh no age. 
No, it, so maybe it's a pen name. No, I don't. Pen I just don't think that's true. I don't think John Fortenberry is old enough to have directed. John, I just want to say, good job uh, directing this when you were nine. It was, well, yeah. uh, I don't again. I Great. don't think that it was good actually taste. John Fortenberry. John uh, Fortenberry. No, it's just he was the guest it. on the Harold and Kumar. Different John Fortenberry. Everyone, uh, hey, uh, listeners, go ahead and check out just John the comic. Just John, very funny comic. It's a good comic. It but is. Kenny, I, I who love directed Night at the Roxbury? John Fortenberry. Exactly. Who was Just our John. past guest? A John, John Fortenberry. Fortenberry. It was not the John Fortenberry. It was a different John Fortenberry. Look, I pulled up this review, all right? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you going to give us some context, Kenny? Absolutely. Uh, as we've established on previous podcasts, one of the things that we like to do is provide a little bit of context of why someone might feel shame about the film that we talk about. Now, Aaron, can we establish that you ostensibly brought this film to our podcast? Is that fair to say? You asked me a question, and I responded with the machoist film I know. Yes. Uh, however, Which was uh, this one? Sure, certainly. Uh, James, if you had gotten to the group chat first, what would the film have been if you had said? Power Rangers. Power, we already covered Power Rangers. Uh, not the 95 one. Uh, yeah. Okay. That one does have Red Hot Chili Peppers with a, a parachute intro, so that, that might does. be the machoist movie I know. Real talk. Yeah. That's why I want Skydive, because of that opening in Power Rangers 1995. Certainly. Also, I watched a, a two-hour... Uh, not documentary, but behind the scenes of how that movie was made, and it was phenomenal. Uh, with cameras. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they said. They're like, we just had cameras. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. We, we got film cameras. I, I pushed the button on the camera, and then I, I pushed it again. I push button, make go. <laughs> well, that's just because. Uh, so, just to dive into some Power Rangers lore. Push button, uh, oh make go. So, uh, they already knew that the original Red Ranger, Yellow Ranger, and Black Ranger were going to leave. So, when they signed... Uh, Austin St. John, Tui Trang, and uh, Walter Johnson. Correct. Uh, <laughs> they already knew they were leaving, and when... Jason uh, Trini and Zach. Correct. And when... <laughs> do you know the new people's names? I got a frog. Uh, 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 Rocky, Aisha, and Adam. Good job. Uh, jo- Johnny Young, Bosch. Played uh, who? Uh, that was Adam. Yep. Uh, shoot. Steve Cardenas played Rocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I Aisha. forget who played Aisha because she was only on for basically a season. No, because they were both from... Uh, they were bo- all three of those were on uh, seasons one season and a half because... Yeah. When that transition happened, they told those three, like, hey, we're doing a movie. So, and that's happening in November. And the transition happened in July earlier that year. So they already knew they were doing a movie. And then uh, fast forward to November, they're like, whoa, we get to spend so much time on shots. And because in TV, they would just like do it once or twice. But now in a movie, they have to like, go slower and it takes them a whole day to film like half a page and they're like this is different then i i forget where they went i think it was either new zealand or australia but while they're there they still had to shoot episodes for the tv show so they were filming a movie and 
I think it ended up being six episodes of a TV of the TV That's show. Insane. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. And so they did very specific episodes of like, uh, okay, well, uh, they're gonna go back in time, and there's gonna be a wild wild west, and they had like this mini uh, series of the uh, Western Power Rangers. It's really cool. I really love it. And what a shame they were all pretty much treated like shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was real bad. But um listen, some of them had a fun time. And Jayang Bosch is doing great in anime. Well, uh speaking of getting treated like shit, uh this review by Russell Smith. <laughs> good, good transition. Good loop. Good loop. Uh published Friday, October 9th, nineteen ninety-eight, uh by Russell Smith of the Austin Chronicle. Uh pretty Y2K. Pre Y2K in a review title A Night at the Roxbury. Now, James, make sure you get good sound for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like all movie fans, I'm awed by Hollywood's relentless Napoleonic obsession with making movies of all know Saturday Night Live skits. And unlike many, I seldom even wonder how this bizarre passion began or why it persists in the face of such meager demand. Far be it from me to oppose manifest destiny. Still, movies as flagrantly vacant and pointless as A Night at the Roxbury do raise the question of how long the gods will keep letting us whiz away our precious moments of mortal existence before they simply get fed up and incinerate us all with plasma beams. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Uh, the Brutabi brothers, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan, SNL's mongoose-necked, rayon-suited disco commandos, are now the subject of a full-length feature that answers all our urgent questions about their backgrounds and aspirations. Both, it turns out, center upon their tireless efforts to breach the citadel of L.A.'s glitzy Roxbury Club and eventually become club owners themselves. With the persistence available only to the clueless, the Butabis chase their dream of ruble-like disco godhood against all odds, aided by the likes of 21 Jump Street heartthrob Richard Grieco and the <laughs> unveiled Chaz Palminteri. But for all the grim effort invested in covering the screenwriterly basis of three-act structure, motivation, crisis, redemption, etc., there's no getting around a single brutal fact. Nobody really gives a flip. Not the actors who've mailed in performances convey the unspoken message. Hey, I'm just putting food on the table here. If you don't like it, take it up with my agent. Not the filmmakers who've scrimped at every turn from the mediocre cast to the hack writing team to the leadenly unimaginative directing. Sorry, John. And in all likelihood, not the viewers whose chief reward was showing up will be the dismal sport of spotting has-beens like Dwayne Hickman of Dobie Gillis fame and Lonnie Anderson in cameo roles. What is love? Hadaway asks in the omnipresent soundtrack song. Not this time-wasting bilge. That's for sure. Half star out of five. Whoa. The coveted half star. Pretty rad. That was a... I, uh, I mean, uh, I fell in love with this movie. It's an hour twenty minutes, man. It's a perfect film. Yeah, not not even, not even because you also have to factor in opening credits as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a cool seventy, probably. <laughs> it's I, uh, I thought it was fun. Yeah, James, why'd you love this movie? Yeah, why'd you love this movie? I just liked. The brothers, that brotherly connection. Like, I, it was refreshing to see, like, these two characters on the same team for most of the movie. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like, 
you don't see that too much in the in the twenty twenties uh, because now everything is grim dark and uh, super serious. But it's just fun to see peas in a pod. Just like have fun. Also, uh, it's a great example for sketch writers and any, anyone in comedy. It's like you don't have to have conflict between the characters. Like <laughs> you can literally just agree with each other, uh-huh. and it be funny and fun. And, and I mean, say what you will, Chris Kattan's kind of great. Oh, Chris Kattan's <laughs> amazing. He, he's kind of in the pocket for this film. Yeah. Like, he's he's doing a great performance. Yeah. I, I, I mean, for what the character is asking. His physicality is crazy. And at one point early in the film, he, towards the cash res- register, he <laughs> bolts over it like it's nothing, and it's and it's almost taller than short. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Chris Kattan's physicality on SNL—it was just always superb. Uh, Mango, uh, Mr. Peepers, like, the Roxbury yeah, guys. Uh, he would literally just glomp onto people, just like a monkey. It's insane. Oh, so yeah, funny. Mango. He's practically like a monkey man. Yeah. No, that's Mr. Peepers. Oh, Mango, Mr. Peepers. Uh, oh, Mr. he's Peepers. playing the uh, dangerously outdated, quasi kind of gay, sort of. Uh, he might be gay. He's not gay. Uh, but that he was mid-90s. Seduced. Yeah. No, the, the joke is, is that he would. Yeah. And uh, also the very funny thing of being able to seduce Ellen DeGeneres as well. Uh that was a really funny joke. What? Uh, what are you guys' history with SNL? We're all comedy guys, uh, but were we all uh, vehement devourers of anything that had the SNL label on it? Yes, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. which was from 2007 to 2011. Uh, I follow the theory of, uh, or rather the thesis that's brought up in Don't Think Twice, which is SNL is only good when you first experience it. And mm-hmm. usually it's like high school for most people. So like everyone's going to think SNL is amazing when they're in high school and they're going to look at those years as being the most amazing years. But it's really, it's always like the quality is always good. It's just like people always have arguments of like, no, this is the best year because of this, but it's really that you form a personal connection with it. And that's what, makes it good anyway uh yeah andy sandberg um bill Hader, bobby moynihan uh chris and wig who are the other ones uh maya rudolph like yeah oh yeah it was kind of coming off the years where tina fey and amy poehler were the weekend update and then seth myers came in that's yeah. kind of my era those were those were killer years oh i loved them yeah yeah uh, for me, <clears throat> I've always been an SNL guy. So, honestly, since I can remember as, as a kid, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was just kind of our, my, me and my parents thing. Um, I think I've always grown attached over the years and it's a, I know it's going to be an errant thing, uh, but for the guys with size. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was drawn to Chris Farley. I was drawn to Will Ferrell and that, and uh, that kind of got me into going into like the history of the big guy in comedy, uh, you know, uh, to the honeymooners and, and John Candy and mm, and yeah. and of course Farley and, and of course the the black cloud that hovers over that, you know, being the the hot fat guy in comedy. 
um, and unfortunately the untimely death that comes along with that. Yeah. Uh, so that always kind of like caught my attention. And then Will Ferrell, he's not, he's not a fat guy, but he's not a guy that's five foot 10 and 130 pounds. Yeah. So he's, he's a guy with size. Um, and then on to Bobby Moynihan. And, and then I kind of got just more into the characters. Um, like, like Bill Hader, I think is a wonderful character actor. Oh, he's great. Um, Sandberg is a wonderful character actor. Also great. Um, but yeah, I think Moynihan has probably been my favorite. Uh, really? Most, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I love Farley to death. He will always have probably the biggest and most special place in my heart right next to Chris, uh, John Candy. But Drunk Uncle, uh, Drunk Uncle and the Bartender. Oh, this bar talk's sticky. <laughs> it's like someone took a, what is it? Uh, it's like it's been covered with sugar babies. I remember you showing me uh, David S. Pumpkins for the first time last year. Oh, yes! That's, that's insane that you did not experience David. For, for the context of listeners, James somehow missed out on the whole David S. Pumpkins craze whenever everyone else experienced it at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I don't I understand. Am... How did you get... It was everywhere. When? As soon as that thing came out, it instantly went viral. That's what I'm what asking. What is that, Kenny? 2015? 2015? I, I don't know. Let's see. 2015, I just moved to Austin, and I had no friends. Texas. Yeah, Austin, Texas. But you were probably Texas. on Facebook. I, ha- I had... 2016. 2016. Okay, I just started improv comedy. Yeah. So I didn't. I really wasn't watching SNL, and I didn't know any comedians. Yeah, but it just it it just its its presence on the internet culture just instantly went into oversaturation. Well, listen, I am notoriously out of the loop. That's fine. On all things. James, that's, James, that's fine. I never said it's bad. James, that's fine. I'm just telling you that's it's fine. Sure. James, it's fine. James. Huh. James, it's James fine. is fine. <laughs> but yeah, like uh but and, and I think David S. Pumpkins really took hold. One because it's funny and quirky, but because it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I I don't know if it would have been as viral had it not been Tom Hanks. But it's yeah. such a well structured and sparse sketch. Uh yeah. It's, uh, yeah, they just boiled it down to the absolute bare minimum, which is just such a stroke of genius. I, Did you um, ever hear Bobby Moynihan's, like, interview on it? I think you briefly told me about it. And again, the yeah. movie we are talking about is Annette Roxbury, Roxbury, but we're talking about David S. Pumpkins. Yeah. It, which is a, a virtual, you know. It's, a, a, it's an SNL adjacent. It's SNL. And by but SNL yeah. adjacent, I mean David S. Pumpkins is, was on SNL. Yeah, it, it's completely SNL. Well, it's a night at the Roxbury. Go on, Aaron. Go on. I'm so uh, sorry. Bobby Moynihan was <laughs> finally. Please don't. Uh, Bobby Moynihan was terrified to bring the script to, uh, to Mr. Hanks, and he brought it, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is fine." And Tom Hanks was like, "I just don't get it. I, yeah. I do not get it. This is dumb. This is stupid. It, I just don't understand it." They were like, well, "We're still going to run it," and it's probably been one of the more memorable. And he still killed it. And he yeah, still, yeah, he did well. I remember uh, when I went to the the UX uh, boot camp. I, for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? I should show this to this class. Um, <laughs> half of the you see David S. Pumpkins to the class. Yeah, 
Yeah, we have. James. No, most of them have. One other person had. What? Uh, well, I don't believe that. And he and I, because like after the end of each lecture, the teacher would go, "Any questions?" And <laughs> her, oh, we had the same thought before even like verbalizing it, but we always picture like, "Any questions?" Um, <laughs> so that's what made me think of it. And then half the class was like, "This is great, I love this," and then the other half, including my teachers, were like, "James, why are you showing us this?" Because it's great UX. <laughs> it's it's great user experience. Uh, but then anytime uh, she'd ask like any questions me and my friend Merida would just be like mm, any questions and the skeleton b-boys part of it <laughs> oh, that's outstanding uh, uh, so I also ravenously devoured SNL uh, I my during summer vacations uh, my mom would take a nap in the middle of the afternoon and every afternoon on Comedy Central for two hours, starting at 11, they would air two episodes of Man. SNL from five or six years oh. ago, or five, five or six years from whenever that was. So my cast was uh, John Lovitz and Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Phil oh, Hardy, dang, nice. uh, Sandler, Chris Rock, mm-hmm. uh, Farley. Uh, that, that was, those were the ones that I grew up on uh and then starting with uh snl going into its 25th year i finally started watching it live uh on my grandparents tiny 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 black and white tv on saturday nights wow um and then i would also have wayne's world in constant rotation (laughs) as well party time wayne's world uh, My dad loves Wayne's World. It was it was so good. Um, it it had yeah, that's great. <laughs> the product placement joke. Oh man. Oh it's like man. People only do things for money. And that's just <laughs> sad. <laughs> All of this is giving me a headache. Huge. Try these. Oh yeah. Little. Yeah. Oh. Well, frankly, I, think I don't think that's problem. that is your choice. Yes, and it's the choice of a new generation. <laughs> uh, it's like a new pair of underwear. At first, it's constricting, but then it becomes a part of you. <laughs> uh, we should marathon all the SNL movies. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do I it. think that'd be great. Um. I wasn't aware that the Blues Brothers was an SNL movie for the longest time. Uh, Uh, Listeners, um, get ready. Pay that $2 a month because we're going to marathon every SNL movie. uh, It's like 10, right, Kenny? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11. Um, And after the success of Wayne's World, uh, Saturday Night Live tried to put out a lot more movies. Most of those SNL movies happen between 92 and 2000. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, for sure. They're a friend of Y2K. So they had that, yeah, you got to prat. Uh, in that span, there was, uh, starting with Wayne's World, Wayne's World, Coneheads, Wayne's World 2, It's Pat, uh, Stuart Saves His Family, Blues Brothers 2000, A Night at the Roxbury Superstar, and The Ladies Man. Isn't, oh, uh, man. isn't Billy Madison considered SNL? No, because he uh, did not come from SNL. It's just a star vehicle for Sandler. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Man, speaking of superstar, how great is Molly Shannon? Oh, Molly Shannon's amazing. She's really great. I loved her in this movie. I, I always wondered why her and Chris Kattan didn't pop more. I don't know. It's the same thing with like Rachel Dratch. Like, she's amazing, but she just never popped. Uh, from what I remember, uh, because Chris Kattan at one point shot a uh, film with the production company that I worked for back in Oklahoma. What? Oh, Chris Kattan might have had a drug problem. And that's, really? That's why I could definitely be saying this incorrectly, but that's from what I recall. Um, he was not great to work with. Yeah, I, ooh, I, I know after this film, him and Will Ferrell didn't talk for a few years. Um, really? Yeah, supposedly uh, there was, it, was a, it was a girl got in between them, and apparently just his attitude towards Will... And, and it, for what I could imagine, Will would be kind of an okay guy to work with. So, I mean, it, it, to me, it would take a lot for, for him to walk away from somebody. Right. Yeah. What uh, was the, the, uh, the, the film that he worked on with your company? Uh, the movie is called Just Crazy Enough, uh, where Chris Kattan plays twin brothers. Oh, so, it sounds is, vaguely familiar. It exists. Uh, it's a movie that is viewable. Uh, like many movies nowadays, it is viewable. A lot of movies are, are able to be seen. Uh, you know so what? That's, One of the you know, few movies that is hard to track down, uh, A Christmas Carol. It's packed. Where Nick Cage plays um, the dead friend. Jacob Marley? Marley, yeah. Who's Scrooge? I don't know, some person. It's oh. an animated film. I, I own it now. Uh, it, it's it's a trip, y'all. And again, the movie that we are talking about today <laughs> is Night at the Roxbury. Power Rangers. All oh, right. Night, Night at the um, but yeah, Night, Night at the Roxbury. Uh, classic 98 film. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, two brothers. I, I loved this sketch whenever I was a kid. Uh, I still like it, too. I... I knew it was based off a sketch, but I never, I've never seen the sketch. Oh, man. It's great. <laughs> I, I would it, imagine. It's, uh, it's super easy, too. Like it, I, it's, there's no story. These characters yeah. didn't even have names. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they didn't have names. They were nothing. It was just Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan put right next to each other because one's tall and the other one's short. Their suits are great. I want those. Oh God! Uh, their whole clothing, I honestly love. Yeah, like, it was the, very the crushed like, velvet. Like it was very early two thousands. Like when they wear the all black, the first time they go to the, the all black fishnet yeah. button ups. Yeah, that yeah. was like ooh, that's two thousands. It's a good clean uh, look for comedy. It's cut. Visuals are important. Yeah, comedy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like that joke I made earlier about pickle. Yes, we'll see. Great. Yeah, it's great. I'm a comedian. And power bar. <laughs> that was such a weird moment. Like, oh no, I've got one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what else do we like about this movie, gentlemen? I love their dance. Like man, oh man! At the end when they did it again, I was popping right, right with them. The, uh, yeah. No, I feel I'm in. I'm in. 
You liked it when they did the thing from the sketch. That's <laughs> you know, the game. I mean, you're correct. The funniest part of MacGruber is whenever he's defusing the bomb or trying to defuse the bomb. <laughs> uh, also ripping throats. Uh, howdy. Classic MacGruber. Um, Man, I haven't seen MacGruber in a long time. I, uh, what, a couple of things that I thought were cute is... Uh, Operator 238. Oh, I love that. That was such a great payoff. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's creepy. No, absolutely. But she's the uh, the credit vixen. Yeah, but like it. I, I thought that was really really great. I think that's a, a fun payoff. It's a very it's a very sketch SNL payoff. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I like is when they get into the Roxbury. Um, thanks to uh, our our Lord and Savior Richard um, Richard Greco Greco, um, which by the way looks Lord. rough. Yeah, well, I love looks rough. I loved his entire through line. I was like, I I just don't want to get sued. I just, just want to get sued. The the kinds of pop culture references that they make in this movie are so I I get so many of them it, it feels it feels so familiar to my childhood uh just that just knowing because my my pop culture references were 20 years prior uh so i was the kid that was quoting uh, that that was acknowledging 70s tv shows in the 90s uh that's on brand yeah that's me hi hello uh richard Greco. that's that's why. That's Richard Greco. Yeah. And he's a... Uh, and Lonnie Anderson? That's that's wild. <laughs> How's my new uh, chin? Lonnie Anderson, WKRP in Cincinnati, James. Uh, she was also with Burt Reynolds for a, a while. Oh. Burt right. Reynolds, the actor. Yeah. You know. And uh, speaking of relationships... Uh, the, your uh, your husband Dan Hedaya. <laughs> Who? Dan Hedaya? He's not one of your guys. The Butabi's uh, father. Oh yeah. Okay. I always forget his name. If I'm completely honest, but I love him just because he's got a, yeah. a, a hairy, hairy chest. I knew that he was an Aaron's boy for I, sure. I saw like, him and I went, "That's an Aaron's boy for sure." I I did not. I'll be honest. I always forget the name, but. Just he's got heavy, heavy like characteristics. I love him. He's loud. Usually, if you have an unhealthy decibel, you're an Aaron guy. You're, you're uh, definitely an Aaron guy. Martin Scorsese looks at Dan Hedaya's eyebrows and goes, "Geez, trim those." <laughs> <laughs> I love all that. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, so Hedaya has a uh, a silk flower shop because uh, those are all the rage and. Uh, the boys are supposed to inherit it, but the Butabi brothers have big dreams, man. And they get oh. into the Roxbury, and the girl that uh, no, well, hold on, ends up hold on, Aaron, to. hold on, on the brakes. What are their dreams? The context. Oh, they got They want to. They want to open up their own nightclub. But what, what kind of club? club, Aaron? They want a nightclub that the nightclub is on the outside yep. and the street is on the inside. 
the inside is on the outside, and the outside is on the inside. Inside doesn't that like just blow your mind? The Mighty Duck Man himself, <laughs> Emilio. <laughs> Which I thought was relevant since we just did the film too. That yeah, that was that was an extra like fun thing for us anyway. Yeah, but uh, Vivica is actually Will Ferrell's wife. I don't know if anybody knew that. Really, I do now. Thank yeah, you, Aaron. Huh. So I thought it was the yeah. bridesmaid. Uh, no, the bridesmaid is uh, <laughs> no, Eva Mendes. Yeah, that's his wife and the other guys, James. Yeah, I know, but I thought they were real life married. I don't know. Man, how great is Eva Mendez? Great. It's first cinematic performance. You'll you'll uh if you subscribe to the Patreon, you'll hear us talk about Eva Mendez and her performance in Ghost Rider. Uh... <laughs> we got a lot of Eva coming up. We should have see Yeah, because I I brought up other guys too, right? Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yes. It was between this yeah. and the other guys. But Something about the other Will guys Brown, is just a great movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I I nominate that we make December Devember <laughs> Devo Mendemper Devember <laughs> uh, I'm on board with it I'm going to speak directly to Olivia for a moment this is what happens when you leave us I'm with it I like it Devember um but I, I think, honestly, I think one of the funniest and cutest moments is when she's trying to take his pants off and he's just talking. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that so charming and cute. And I'm kind of part of me is like, I, I think that's me. I think <laughs> not really just like just kind of caught, caught up in your own head, not realizing it, it's sexy time and just uh, just talking and just keep going. But that's. I don't want to know about my intimate business. No, I do. Let's probably yeah, well, yeah, that's the so. first time uh, you and Kaylee uh, decided was that the exact same scenario. Uh, well, I will tell you one of the first uh, times me and Kaylee got together, I got mad at her because uh, we got a pizza and it was a pepperoni pizza. And mm-hmm. I was being gentlemanly because there was only two slices left. So I let her have the slice with the, uh, the most pepperonis on it. And my slice only had one, right? Because yeah. I'm a gentleman. Correct. And she's eating her slice, and then she takes off my pepperoni. And I got to tell you, I have never been more enraged <laughs> and thought about just leaving a single space until that time. And this was like one of our first dates, and I was like, oh, dude, this, this might be it. But uh, we're here still four years later. I'm, I'm glad you two persevered through that hardship. She's been on oh. thin ice ever since. <laughs> Every night you're like, remember that fucking pepperoni? Do you remember? I bring it up still. Do you really? Yes, I bring it up still. It was a pivotal moment in our relationship. Pivotal. <laughs> uh, uh, that's amazing. But yeah, um, Molly Shannon's great. Yeah, I um, also love that uh, the dad wants Will Ferrell, Steve, uh, to marry Molly, Sh- Molly Shannon. So they can join businesses together so they can have a plant and lamp shop. Not just a plant and lamp shop, but the first the plant first and plant lamp, lamp shop. shop. Which is just a great dream. Like It's, <laughs> it's a very dad dream. Yeah. 
Yeah. So would you would you guys describe this as a laugh out loud comedy? Were you guys laughing out loud? At parts, yeah. So, I was like, ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron, isolate that and let's let's just start using that laugh. <laughs> as our intro. That's just our to... laugh track now. <laughs> We're gonna make a sitcom and that's the laugh track. Uh, anytime uh, I just say something and it doesn't land, just put that laugh there. <laughs> And then hopefully whenever I'm listening back to the episodes, I can, I can just use that as reinforcement to just shut up more. <laughs> um, laugh out loud. Uh, uh-huh. There was uh-huh. <laughs> some parts. Again, the film that we're talking about is A Night at the Roxbury, directed by John Fortenberry. Who also writes the comic just John. No, that's not. It's a different... It's a different John Fortenberry. Uh, his Go name ahead. is John Fortenberry. Go to Instagram John Fortenberry. and find just John comics. It's very funny. Um, yeah, there's a lot of chuckling, but I'm trying to think of like distinctly moments uh, that made me laugh out loud. Aaron, what's your charity? Uh, oh. Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna dig into this movie? Not much. I feel like this movie is just a complete nothing burger that was <laughs> And it was like dunk. Um, it was just dull. I uh what's your charity? Alzheimer's Association. Alzheimer's Association. Right. Cool, I'll donate to that. Uh I'll accept it. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I I, I, I know this is not a, a home runner. Here's the thing, because you guys are smart, handsome, strapping young men. Uh, You you guys have had that experience where you're watching a movie and you're like, "This sounds like a joke." (laughs) I'm not, I'm not laughing. Yeah, Uh, because that was me throughout this entire movie, where I was like, "I these are funny people." Yeah, things have the rhythms of jokes. But it's just not working at all. Uh, I think it's, I, it, it's charming more than it is funny. But how do you? How is it charming for you? Because of just how innocent and like together these two brothers are. Sure. I just love the peas in a pod aspect. I'll be honest. That's that's the thing that made me really like love this. It was just like they're just in it together, and it's great. James, you gotta watch Paddington Two, baby. You gotta <laughs> watch some Paddington Two. Don't no. need to watch Paddington One. Just go to Paddington Two. Paddington see. One is also great, but Paddington no, Two. I, I want to see. Oh, hold for motorcycle. Can you, can you guys hear that? What motorcycle? Okay, perfect. Uh, I live right next to the highway right now, so uh, I don't know what you can can't hear, but uh, I really want to see uh, Trolls World Tour. Oh man! Yeah, was it good? The movie that you know helped destroy cinemas. Yes, it is actively killing the cinemas. I don't. I think it would be a different story. Like if say, because uh, kids' movies are going to perform well no matter what, and theaters are just not available at this yeah. point in time. So people are going to buy trolls, especially yeah. desperate parents that need something to put in front of their children. Absolutely. It would be, it would be different if, say, uh, theaters were available and they only released Invisible Man <laughs> on streaming uh, and 
that performed outrageously well. Um, It's not, it's not an end of, well, it is an end of the world situation. We're living through bad times. Um, But like the theatrical distribution model is going to radically change because who knows what's going to survive. Um, But studios, I, I, I believe the research still says that people need a movie to come out in theaters before they will go see it because that buys it an air of legitimacy as opposed to the possible indecision that if they rent this, it might not be good. But if it was in a theater, you know it's good because that's big. Yeah. Interesting. I, 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 that's, I, won't, oh, I, I know how the psychology happened because movies only existed in a movie theater for a long, long time. Yeah. I bet that will probably diminish over time. Sure. Um, sure. I think comedy will probably stop becoming theatrical uh, because you can just, well, I think the way that we're perceiving comedy now is much more focused on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, That's TikTok, baby. It's which are all free. So why are you asking me to sit down for a 90 minute, a hundred minute comedy? Right. Well, the beats are going to feel so similar to a whole bunch of other comedy movies that I've seen in the past. Uh, and I, I could also just watch movie. something on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, this movie would not even be close to being made today. No. So, well, yeah. also, SNL just doesn't have big characters. Anymore. Right. Yeah, I think uh, the big characters. Like, Stefan was maybe the probably the biggest character we've had in the yeah, past definitely. 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge fan of anything Bobby Moynihan, but nothing has been huge like Stefan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And oh, Stefan Bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stefan definitely wouldn't work as a movie um, mm-hmm. because it's predicated on just ambushing Bill Hader. Yeah. Uh, it's just John Mulaney writing and changing jokes every yeah. second of the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, McGruber was the last SNL movie that came out in 2010. 2010, okay, yeah. Whoa! Uh, and that movie bombed hard, and it was already made for, it was made for cheap. It was made for $5 million, Whoa. And it didn't even recoup that back. Oof. People I remember like, hearing very bad things about it. I, uh, I think it's, people like it more now. Um, I don't think it's aged particularly well. Probably not. Uh, there's a lot of gay panic humor. Uh, but also, Will Forte is really funny. Well, Will Forte is just really funny. Yeah. Um, it's it's a movie where your main character has no... Uh, is, is never established as being good at anything, but for some reason, everyone around him treats him like he's the guy. But he never <laughs> does one thing successfully. Uh, and that's frustrating. So, like our president. Hey, but a boop boop political. Uh, even Ron Burgundy was good at something, even though it's really dumb. Uh, <laughs> but the audience is like, yeah, you go, Ron Burgundy. So, yeah, that literally, joke. that literally tells you that he's good at something. Anchorman I am Ron Burgundy? Who put the question? Why'd you say that? You, you got a poop mouth. Oh man, I mean, uh, how okay, we give him a lot of shit. 
But I gotta say, Will, Will Ferrell ain't that bad. Oh, I like Wait, Will Ferrell. Who gives I, Will Ferrell shit? People. Why? Yeah, that he does the same thing. Oh, he's great. He can, and he does yeah. very often. He's great. Uh, but then he does something like uh, Cord and Tish. Uh, are you guys familiar with Cord and Tish, James? No. no. So this is insane. For, for every Daddy's Home 2 Will Ferrell does, he does something outrageously small that 20 people see, but he goes ham on it. Uh, yeah. Him and Molly Shannon have these characters called Cord and Tish. He plays Cord. Molly Shannon plays Tish. And they're just these doofus, uh, I guess, fluffy news commentators that just talk about events. Like the last one that they that I remember was them talking about the royal wedding. And they literally just talk over the entire royal wedding, just in <laughs> character. It's, it's ludicrous. That's great. Um, for, for every kicking and screaming that Will Ferrell does. Hey, great movie. Uh, just demonstrating, not critically well-received, but then he, he uses the, those paychecks to do these tiny things like Casa de Mi Padre, where he does an entire movie in Spanish language and it doesn't do well, but it's him. I, I do remember that film. I never watched it because I was like, I don't speak Spanish. It's, yeah, I remember thinking it was absolutely hilarious. Um, he does The Spoils of Babylon, a takeoff on 1980s miniseries for IFC. Uh, what else? Um, what else uh, Landlord is probably one of the most well-known funnier dies. Help jumpstart internet comedy. Yeah. Uh, most definitely with funnier die. Um, and then he's also one of people's favorite Christmas films or Christmas icons. Yeah, yeah. Elf with Buddy the Elf, yeah. like he's great. It, it's hot take. I like Will Ferrell. Well, uh, slow down. I know he does a deadly adoption with Kristen Wiig just in secret. Uh, was that the one that was like a Hallmark movie? It's a it's a straight up Lifetime movie. Lifetime movie. That's what. Which it is. is not. I, I don't think it's even a satire. It's just them doing a Lifetime movie straight, and that's what's funny. Yeah, I I really want to see that because i remember him speaking on conan on the conan podcast uh conan o'brien needs a friend uh conan come on to our podcast i, I know you need the views um you've been dying to it so yeah conan it's bad but uh i that that fascinates me that he's just like yeah no we just made a lifetime movie and that's, which is kind of great because they weren't even on snl at the same time right no no yeah so that's that's just wonderful <laughs> Uh, it's like this idea of just doing it just because. Because that's my thing. I like doing things. Yeah. So hear me out. I, I guess what's kind of cool about, well, interesting about Catan and Farrell is they took the two different routes you could really go on SNL. Because Catan is still doing stand-up bar scenes, as far as I know. Really? He's He's come to Corpus Christi a few times. And he's not like doing he's not doing arenas. He's doing small stand up in like pizza venues. Yeah. And Will Farrell's just having fun. Yeah. And making stuff and having people like it. Yeah. And like every now and then he'll do a, a rock star movie and then a couple of years later he does a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But he's kinda he's staying steady. Yeah. yeah, 
So I, I think I think that's really interesting that this film kind of diverged the two routes you could take post SNL. For sure. Because no one's really been huge after SNL. I mean, the most the person who's made the most money has got to be Sandler. Well, I, yes. I, I mean, Mike, Mike Myers, Will Ferrell is probably the last uh, juggernaut movie star that you could go see a Will Ferrell movie. And then, because SNL just used to be a launching pad for comedy movie stars. Yeah, uh, I think it's still. I think it's still a launching pad. It's just now for TV stars. Yeah, I mean the comedy economy is so radically different. Yeah, because um, like Andy Sandberg is the one that comes to mind for me because he's had Brooklyn Nine Nine for about eight years now. Yeah, Andy and, Poehler with Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then but, Tina uh, Thirty Rock. They mm-hmm. they try and get Amy Poehler and Tina Fey to translate to film, and it's never worked. Uh, I think those uh, baby mama and sisters did well, but compared to Sandler movies, compared to uh, right. Ghostbusters, Bill Murray, uh, compared to Mike Myers' run, just not much. The last person that's had a modicum of success in feature films is Kate McKinnon, and she's still on SNL and just kind of hasn't popped. Yeah, I mean, there is the sexism aspect, too. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think Pete, David- Pete Davidson's on the cusp. Well, I think Pete Davidson might be the most successful in this recalibrated comedy economy. Yeah. I, I, how do y'all feel about Davidson? I don't know enough information, but I did just watch a trailer about that Firefire movie. Yeah, the Kings of Staten Island. Yeah, or the King of Staten good. Island. That looks very I, good. I, I mean, I'm just in the pocket for Apatow writing and directing. Uh, I'm a big fan of Trainwreck. I think that was mm-hmm. him moving in the right direction. Still need to watch. Uh, in terms of it's it's beautiful. Bill Hader is so attractive in that movie, uh, mm-hmm. and Amy Schumer is so great. She's so great in that movie. Um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Apatow writing and directing again. It's a shame that it's got to come out in VOD considering circumstances, but also I think it's just another death knell. Yeah. And comedy's getting released theatrically. Um, I'm excited because Apatow does the right things with his main actors. Look at Sandler and Funny People. Uh, uses so Sandler. So good! Made, Seth Ro- made Steve Carell and Seth Rogen in a movie stars. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because the four-year-old virgin, right? And knocked up. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. It's late. I just don't like Davidson. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I have no opinions either way. Uh, I think the Chad sketches are funny. Yeah. Um. I, you I appreciate his candidness about dealing with mental illness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is great um he's gonna be in the suicide squad movie what he's gonna be in the suicide squad who is he playing one of the suicide squad members so they're making suicide squad no it's a sequel yeah okay uh james gunn yeah that's right Yeah, 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 yeah yeah uh 
yeah, I think everyone but Will Smith is coming back. Polka Dot um, Man's going to be in it. I don't know who that is. I don't know. He's, one of, my favorite, he's one of my favorite DC villains. Scott Idris, uh, Aaron's yep. husband Idris, uh, which is thrilling. Um, got Jai Courtney coming back too. Oh gosh, Jai Courtney was so good and so so play. good. Uh, not a movie that I like, but uh, Jai Courtney, real good in that movie. Do we have anything else to say about a night at the Roxbury? <laughs> no. No. Cool. Let's kick it to the Rotten Tomatoes game, shall we, gentlemen? Cool. Uh, So the Rotten Tomatoes game is based off of the website Rotten Tomatoes, a film review aggregator that takes all submitted film reviews, averages them out by a pass-fail system that assigns a percentage on how many people might think a movie is either fresh or rotten. This is not a score that a film is X percent good. It is only a score of how many people liked it. Gentlemen, out of 55 film critics, starting with James Without going under, what do you think the percentage is for A Night at the Roxbury, directed by a John Fortenberry, not the John Fortenberry friend that we that we have, that we know? Uh, 55%. 55%. Why do you say 55%? Uh, I think most critics were like, meh. And then some were like, this is dumb. Uh, so James says that each film critic gave this movie one percent, correct. Uh, adding it all together to fifty-five percent, correct. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the critical percentage is for *A Night at the Roxbury*? I think the score is in the thirties, so I'm going to say forty-six. That's you. you okay. <laughs> You said it's in the thirties, but forty-six. You're playing it very safe. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm being hopeful because uh, I, I feel a lot of critics were like, "Stop! <laughs> Don't do this!" And uh, the movie they started to stick with it. So I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say those that number. Uh, well, Aaron, your optimism has paid off. Uh, you are closest without going under. Uh, I think this is the lowest critical score that we've Ooh. ever had for a movie on this podcast with 11%. Whoa! Oh. I was being optimistic with 30. 11% for a night. It makes sense, though. <laughs> uh, but let's see if the audience is a little bit more uh, proving. Out of 362,839 audience reviews, uh, starting with Aaron, what do you think the audience approval rating is for a night at the Roxbury? I think it's just fine, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say fifty-five. Fifty-five. Oh, I, I, I see your game. <laughs> uh, James, now I don't know if you know this. Aaron took your old score and made oh. it into his new score. I oh, know. did I really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah so everyone realized that but me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my guess is 65%. 65%. Yeah. Uh, now, James, do you know that, that is higher than Aaron's score? I do. I, I think most people enjoy this film, but I think there's a lot of haters out there who think SNL's from the devil and want to downvote this. Uh, well, James, your optimism has paid off in the sense that Aaron has lost, Good. and you have also lost. Good. Uh, the correct answer is 69%. Ah, nice! No! Nice! The golden number. The golden number, indeed. Uh, we will bronze it. 
And then also dip it in gold plating. Correct. Is that well? And then put it in carbonite. Fine, I get it. I'll pay $30. <laughs> no, I'm paying $30. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah but if you would like to match it. my donation so we can cure Alzheimer's quicker. With our $60 combined. <laughs> yeah, like, they, finally, now we can cure it. We did it. Well, um, I uh, those those scores are definitely not what I was uh, expecting. Yeah, it's it's a it's a dumb movie. It's a fine movie. It's uh, you know, I can see a lot of people having nostalgia for this because the sketch on SNL is so effective. Um, James, you gotta watch it. Yeah, I will. I'll I'll binge some SNL. Yeah, Jim Carrey uh, did a cameo in one of the Night the Roxbury sketches, and he helped write this film, but he's just uncredited. Yeah. Oh, is that why he, the club owner, was like, "Hey, Jim Carrey, you pet detective." Yeah, they, they do that in there a little bit, but uh, yeah, th- this this film, I love this film only because it makes me feel like I'm in the '90s. Yes, agree. It really time capsules you. Yeah, with Will Ferrell playing know. second fiddle. Huh? Yeah. With Will Ferrell playing second fiddle to Chris Kattan. Yeah. Something yeah. that would never happen again. <laughs> what if they remade this with John C. Riley? Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. I mean, that's essentially Step Brothers, though. Or Talladega Nights. This, it's, it's a little more Talladega Nightsy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is more Talladega Nights. Yeah, you're right. James, have you seen Walk Hard? No. I've wanted to. I know you talk so highly of it. Uh, yeah. That was that. That was in 2007 where uh, Judd Apatow basically had a triple hander and knocked up Superbad and Walk Hard. Bad. Knocked up and Superbad did well commercially. And then Walk Hard came out and was like, but I think is honestly funnier than both of those movies and is held up. Well, Damn. nobody wanted to take it seriously, right? Because John C. Riley, he, he was Oscar nominated by that point. Yeah, but nobody trusted him. Well, it's it's such a parody movie, uh, and parody movies don't really do well anymore. Yeah, uh, they didn't do well at the time. They were kind of on their way out because the parody had kind of been diluted by the scary movies and like the that. rest of the other movies. Disaster movie, uh, Meet the Spartans. Yeah, um, the other ones. Uh, Basically, I, any of the Wayne's Brothers production. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's been our episode of Shame Watch. Thank you, Denise Hudson. Wait, wait, wait. There it is. It's gonna be the first lamp podcast shop. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> thank you to Denise Hudson for our rockin' theme song, and to James Garcia for our artwork. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shame Watch on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Have suggestions, questions, comments, or general Tom Floor you want to contribute to the pod? Ooh, my voice cracked a little bit. Uh, send it our way. Visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Shame Watch Pod so we can talk with you. Finally, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash shamewatch. It does cost money to put out superb content like this pod, so even a $1 donation can make a huge difference. 
And now we're going to deal with the favorite thing that we all love, where I quiz you uh, about our Patreon rewards. Uh, there you go. Aaron, uh, what's our $10 level? Everything that we previously stated. Uh-huh. <laughs> and beat picks. Uh-huh. And one more thing. Don't mess it up, Aaron. A night at the Roxbury signed by all of us? Nope. Uh, oh. Haikus. Yeah. Haikus. Dang it. Uh, uh, speaking of that, can you send me that picture of you, your feet you took? You took. I know you signed the Facebook group. I forgot to save it. Uh, yeah, I got it. Thank you. Uh, Kenny, what's our $7 reward? Well, at what is known as the remorseful level, uh, you get access to behind the scenes that you can't get anywhere else, uh, contribute, and help pick our next movie marathon, along with access to all of our podcasts that are behind the paywall. Yeah, yeah. And this is a quick uh, quick shout-out. and Just, hey, uh, patrons that are there, please tell us what kind of behind-the-scenes content you want to see so yeah. we can deliver it to you. Let us know. Uh, because I don't want to guess. I just want to know so I can make you happy. Uh, Aaron, what's the $5 level? What does that do? Everything we previously stated, Olivia's headshots, mm-hmm. signed headshot. You're correct. Pre-show stuff? Yeah, the bits. Yeah, pre-show recordings. Pre-show stuff? Which uh, yeah. I'll, I'll upload uh, uh, soon. And as we know, the $2 level gets you access to the movie marathons that we do, the exclusive Shamwatch TV that Olivia is doing right now with uh, Follow Your Heart, the Bachelor spinoff? Is this, it's a spinoff. Uh, I, think, I think they're doing their fourth episode that's coming out. Or it will have come out by this. I don't know. I don't know how time works. We just uh, don't know. We just don't know. But you also get to hear your name on our podcast as we thank you for your love and your dedication. But more importantly, your money, your cold hard money that lets us live. So starting with Kenny Madison. Of Austin, Texas. Aaron O. Salinas. Of Austin, Texas. Gene Fight. Of Bowling Green, Ohio. Alan Smith. Of Leander, Texas. Riley McPherson. Of Tulsa, okay. Jennifer Steinberg. Of Austin, Texas. Herc. Of Austin, Texas. Ian Keegan. Of Gillette, Wyoming. Danny Cantu. Of San Marcos, Texas. Tiffany Tipton. Of Austin, Texas. Miranda Suarez. Of San Marcos, Texas. Becca Falange. Of Austin, Texas. And Irene Suarez. Of San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Kenny, remember when we were two-thirds of the, <laughs> of the patron list? We've come yeah. far away, man. Oh, yeah. how we've grown. <laughs> Until next time, our watch has now ended. Dive at your own risk. I think I had a crush on Molly Shannon growing up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair.